My name is Scott Challoner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. While today the world anxiously hopes that a road to peace in Ukraine will present itself and we sincerely share that sentiment, the agenda of today's discussion will be very much focused on physical roads as opposed to metaphorical ones and more specifically how we can look to keep them safe following Brexit. Joining me on today's show to contribute to this discussion is Steve Boyle, Managing Director of Motion Data, a company which is heavily involved in the active safety automotive sector. Uh, Steve, welcome and by all means, thank you so much for joining us on today's show. It's an immense pleasure welcoming you onto the uh, the program with us, Steve. Um, I think a good place to start would be by sort of setting the context of this, just for those listeners that may not have done too much research into this particular topic, because as a non-member now of the European Union, the United Kingdom will need to implement its own laws for type approval and update its vehicle safety regulations, because we no longer automatically sign into the UN ECE regulations on vehicle safety as we did before. Now, of course, a new set of global safety regulations are coming in this year, and that consists of 15 integrated measures that have the potential to bring down road collisions, deaths and injuries. These 15 steps have been called by the Transport Research Lab the biggest advancement in vehicle safety since the seatbelt. However, the UK government has not committed to implementing these steps yet. So that's the sort of situation we're faced with, Steve. And first and foremost, I'd just like to gauge your initial thoughts on that, because Brexit shouldn't mean that we see more accidents on our road, should it? No, it should not. I mean, this, this advances of technology uh, are coming in, uh, and there's some reason to adopt them. The reason that technology has been developed by the motor manufacturers is based on some of the things that we've done in the previous years as motion data and as the UK, and leading this technology and the development of it. And now we're in a an instance where we might not implement it ourselves, which in today's world seems a crazy thing to do to me. It does, doesn't it? Um, and PACT, well, that's to say the providers for Secretariat to APPG for transport safety, they say that this full 15-step package could, by the year 2037, actually prevent over 15,000 serious injuries and 1,762 deaths. So the impact of actually bringing these rules in it makes things better not just for vehicle users, but also vulnerable road users as well. So it's almost commonsensical to sort of not diverge in that area and seek to sort of implement these steps, isn't it? It is. I mean, it also puts us behind. It puts us into a group of following these people that we don't implement it. We then drop out of the world of leading this technology and leading this implementation and developing it into a company that doesn't even countries that even follow it ourselves. So for the co- companies that work in the UK and in the sector and work like things like Batchum, the um, insurance agency there, they've done a lot of work to develop this technique and part of the Eurocap to develop all these safety techniques and then for our government not to follow them as well. It's not like seems counterintuitive. And also not it's not really maintain our place within the world of leading the technology and trying to implement it and show that we are at the forefront of this and want to be leaders in active road safety. 
Yeah, I think that's an incredibly important point, actually. We've seen the EU commit to those steps, and that means that these steps will also be adopted in Northern Ireland as well as within the bloc from July this year. And so if we don't follow suit with that, as you say, we sort of lose that standing as one of those leading nations that are constantly pushing the bar and trying to raise standards in this area. So there is some reputational damage to be had from divergence here. And it's all, it's not very sort of clear from sort of an outward point of view what's actually forcing ministers to pause and think, well, actually, should we bring these 15 steps in? Is this all really necessary? Because it doesn't seem that there's anything to gain from divergence, does there? No, there's been no advantage not to do it. There's lots of disadvantages. I can't think of one advantage why we wouldn't want to sign up to um, these 15, well, this is 15 important regulations, but there's more behind it. And why we wouldn't want to show that we care about our pedestrians and our road users and if nothing else, even if it wasn't for the, the country's reputation, this you said, well, what, why would we want to not have things that are going to make the road safer? And it's not even at the great cost because a lot of these things are already there. Mm. It's, it's part of the manufacturers, when you manufacture a car, it's going to be implemented on this car, so it's not as a, it's a mandated thing to have there that the car manufacturers are going to have to do it for the rest of the world anyway. So it's not going to be a great cost to the UK. It's the manufacturers and part of the cost of the car which will bring it in. And also make keep our automotive industry relevant and competitive as well as cars are being made in Sutherland not to a different standard they are made in the UK, in, in Europe. And are you going to people buy the cars? Um, and have them exported. Or do we have to make those cars to that standard anyway just to export them? Mm. So a lot of the UK's uh, motor industry is exported. And it's about a, a large percentage, well over 50% of the cars are exported to UK, uh, out of the UK. So we're going to have to make some sort of standards to continue exporting them, but have a different set of standards for ourselves, which doesn't seem to be a good idea, especially when it comes to road safety. Mm. And all the all the costs associated with that, which is less uh, hospital costs, less cleanup costs of road accidents, less uh, there's quite a lot of cost savings by having less accidents, and you just can't see why. Well, I don't have any advantages why we want to do it because it's not as well going to be competitive against the rest of the world by not doing it because the rest of the world is doing it. So. Yeah. So we can say, well, we're going to compete in a different idea. There is no, there's 56 countries signed up to the UNATE regulations, and that they automatically follow it, uh, or signed up to, to follow it. And plus, there's many more just follow it anyway, because why they don't need to be part of the decision making process, they just going to follow what the UNATE regulations say. So, there's not a lot of countries that produce cars, but they're not going to do it. It's not as though we can start to be competitive with. Out of the world, we doesn't do this, nearly everybody does it. Mm. So, I, I don't get the government thinking behind it so well, other than it's a partisan thing about, well, we're not going to follow European rules because we're not part of Europe anymore, which I think is crazy because it's not really a European rule, it's a UNHCE rule that we've been instrumental in defining. We want to be instrumental in defining in the future. 
Exactly right. Um, exactly right. And um, you talk as well about what benefits this could bring economically. You sort of touch on that a little bit there. Um, it is worth mentioning, isn't it, that implementing these standards would only come at very minimal cost to the taxpayer or the consumer because a lot of this stuff is already kind of there anyway. And it's been calculated, actually, that there's roughly sort of £7 billion in economic benefits to be had from this, given, obviously, how it's going to help sort of stimulate the motor industry, those exports, as you've talked about, and also reduce road death. So it sort of eases the burden on the healthcare sector as well. So £7 billion of economic benefits. I mean, that's it, it's huge, isn't it? So again, I mean, I suppose it raises the question as to sort of why we're sort of stalling on bringing this in. It's quite staggering, isn't it? financially and it doesn't cost a lot to implement it, it's just a decision. There's very little cost involved for the UK to implement this. The, the, the motor manufacturers have developed this technology anyway, it's just a matter of whether they're fitted or not. So it's not a, a, people just do say, which is a, a little bit dangerous as well, that if the other manufacturers are going to make it anyway, they're going to fit it whether we apply for all this regulation or not. But one thing I have pointed out that one slight big major part of slight major, the major difference between the UK cars for the UK and cars for the rest of the world are not all the world is left hand drive and right hand drive. Yeah. So where it's very hard to distinguish a car between it going off to France and the one that's been made to go to Poland, it's very easy to go one is going to the UK and one is not because the seat wheels on the other side. So it's very they do make a big decision to make the scene wheel on the opposite side of the car already. So it's very easy to say, well, all the ones on that side of the car don't get this and save money and don't have to fit this technology onto them because it is a bit of a money saving for the manufacturers and they don't have to do it. So you can see them not doing this. And at the moment, because of the shortage of chips in the automotive industry, it's one of the things they are really struggling with because a lot of this technology does require um, computing power on board of the car. So any chance they do get to try and cut corners of having this technology, they'll probably will try and take it and carry on producing cars in the UK because they're different. They're the right-hand drive as well as the left-hand drive. It's easy to distinguish. They can get out of putting a few, few more computer chips in them, which is going to help the situation at the moment as well. They'll probably try and do it. So where people say, well, they'll just produce the kit, they'll produce different cars in the UK than they do for Europe. That's one reason they do already in the middle. Exactly. So it basically implies, doesn't it, that if we don't bring these steps in, it's not just, of course, road safety standards that are going to be declining. It's also the standards of the vehicles themselves that are going to be imported into the UK from Europe. So, again, that's just another area where we seem to be losing out with this. Yeah, yeah, because as well, they probably won't make it any cheaper because they have all this technology on. Manufacturers will always have their way of making their more money and they can their take a shortcut, make more money, that's probably what they're going to do. This is from a, out of those 15 measures, there's some really important uh, features in there, like mm. uh, advanced emergency braking for pedestrian detection and BIU, which is vulnerable road users. 
detect a person a young child crossing the road and stop for it or warn the driver or not. And exactly. If that technology is there, why not? It does beg the question, doesn't it? Yeah, why don't you want this technology? Um, you mentioned there, of course, um, sort of emergency, automated emergency braking that can detect pedestrians and cyclists. And then to sort of add to that, it's also better direct vision in heavy goods vehicles as well. It's intelligent speed adaptation. So it's far-reaching stuff, this technology, really, really beneficial stuff for road safety. And we're stalling on bringing it in. Yeah. Well, one of, one of the technologies in development really relevant to of London is um, the moving off uh, protocol, which is the trucks. When you, I don't know if you've ever driven the HUV, but you can't always see directly in front of you on the HUV. So the HUV comes to a crossing in, in, in the centre of London, pedestrian crossing. There's people walking across, cycling across in front of them, they're stationary. They can't see if they've gone when they could move off. So there could be some time machine there, or follow up the bicycle or the bicycle chairs come off in front of them and the driver cannot see from his viewpoint. One of the new technologies called the moving off uh, prevention with you text and put an object there and won't let the truck engage gear and move ahead to the of the pedestrian. So that might just seem like a small thing, but there is several accidents a year where that happens. And across a city like London it's more prevalent than, than others because there's a lot mm. of pedestrians walking across the road, major roads. It's something like that Exactly right. Why you wouldn't take on board? Mm. Yeah, and in terms of sort of pressuring government, let's say to sort of really consider this, there has been some significant um, pressure on uh, Transport Secretary Grant Shapps. He's been written to by uh, former ministers in his position, and that also includes uh, Sir Peter Bottomley, a serving MP and father of the House of Commons. So there is some weight behind that pressure, it seems, and it's also worth remembering, which sort of makes all of this even more bizarre, is that. I think we might have touched on this earlier. The UK backed these measures right up until leaving the European Union. So it almost seems bizarre to not sort of agree to carry that through ourselves now. And obviously with the pressure involved on government as well, obviously from both sort of politicians and industry, it seems sort of counterintuitive for the government to sort of pardon the pun, not give way on this. And are you sort of optimistic yourself, Steve, that in the longer run, eventually, government is going to have to say, you know, this is a good idea. We need to implement these 15 standards now. I, yes, hopefully. Because people like they, myself and Thatcher and Pat, and you said they, some of the MPs are, are lobbying for this. And so you kind of hope that they see sense sign up for it. It's not that hard to do. It's not going to cost a lot of money. Uh, and it's got a lot of advantages. So hopefully they, they see sense at the end. I think part of it is, and this is what um, David Ward, who's the Secretary General for Urencap, mm. came into it. He said it's not really an EU thing. 
industry worldwide, the UNECE. So if we forget about this, what of the EU and country and what it's trying to achieve rather than blame it on its EU regulation implemented on the UK, and therefore we don't have to do it because we're not part of the EU anymore. If we try to get rid of that stance, um, which is a false stance anyway, because it's purely a road safety thing, it's purely been down to the automotive industry and uh, the UNECE, which we're part of, we've been an active part of this for many years. Um, it's not, an, it's not an implementation by the EU, it's not forced on by the EU, it's the UNEC, 56 countries have signed up to this. So I think that was possibly the only thing to stop it, is, is this thought that we're taking regulations from somebody else, as opposed to um, making our own decisions. Mm. But I think in this instance, it, it's the right decision to make, and hopefully we'll see sense and follow it through. Because not only is it going to affect the development and the safety of our world users, it's also the economy of this country as well. We've, we've become more distant from this sector where we're actively leaders in it. I mean, the the auto, auto emergency braking function, which is uh, looking ahead and seeing there's an object in front of you, whether it be a pedestrian or a cyclist or a bicycle or a, or a car, is technology that's been developed by the, the motor manufacturers with the aid of people like Faction and some motion data as well as another few companies in the UK. You know, obviously, Best Dynamics and Oxford Technical Solutions in the UK. And then leading the world in making test equipment to define their standards and how they will be tested, what level the cars should be at. And then to step back from that doesn't seem right. And also, we'll lose that see to the next table to develop the next level of technology that's going to help cars. Mm. And we've got this big push in the UK, and whether it's people directed up towards autonomous vehicles and driverless cars. Well, this is all the part of us steps on the way. And so you think, how can we try to be a country leading the world of development of autonomous cars when we can't even have our own cars that's currently available the highest safety standards there is? So I think eventually we have to, but we should, mm. and adopt these regulations if we're serious about road safety, we're serious about technology, we're serious about keeping the UK at the forefront of world leadership and technology, trying to help us as a, as a nation to become more global, if that's the expression that we're using at the moment, and rather lose that. Influence mm. of countries like India and China and the rest of the world because everybody look at Europe because the leading manufacturers they tend to be European um, and less about us because we'll have less influence to dictate the future. Mm. Yep, yeah. we don't follow it ourselves. So how can we be leaders? I mean, we're here on a leadership, uh, a leaders council. But, you know, how can we be leaders in the world of technology when we don't follow it ourselves? It's important, isn't it? Have to. I think it's too sensible to sign up. And it's an exciting time when it comes to this technology. I mean, I've been working this field for 16, 17 years. The advances of the technology are great. And the technology now on cars that people can get that won't 
with all the children. And they think, why don't we want that? Why would we even consider not fitting technology that takes a child in front of you running out into the middle of the road and warns you and applies the brakes? What is the same reason not to have that technology? I can't think of one. Mm. Nor I. Nor I. And it's it's a staggering question, isn't it, that we're even considering the fact that these steps couldn't come into force because obviously it's, it's incredibly important for our standing on the uh, the global stage we've already talked about sort of maintaining us at the sort of really at the heart of raising standards um but you do you do sort of mention a really important point when you think um oh we're probably looking at the eu and we're obviously flexing the muscles of our kind of newfound independence in various ways and maybe we are taking a little bit of a cavalier attitude sometimes towards divergence and divergence sometimes it can come across as being more for divergence's own sake as opposed to actually making life in the UK easier and better. So that we just have to be careful about certain things like this, don't we? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no reason why I would diverge from a list of um, regulations that make our vehicles safer. There's no counter argument. And it's going to save lives, it's going to save money, it'll be beneficial to the economy, beneficial to the, the, the road user. And there's no argument on the other side, other than possibly stubbornness and awkwardness by a perceived enemies the other side. Because it's someone else's idea. Well, it's not someone else's idea. The UK has been very instrumental in developing this technology. Thatcham in the, in the UK, as I said, was. And, I work with Thatcham, I've worked for Thatcham, I've worked with Thatcham for many years. Help them define how these things are tested and developed. But to have a common regulation in much of the part of the World ISO Committee on developing the, the testing techniques of this technology, now it has the standards are received and the objects they use and the test equipment used to develop test active safety. Well, we're part of that committee along with two other companies in the UK and two or three others in Europe. And we don't want to put ourselves at technical disadvantage to Europe as a country just by being stubborn when we're part of that leading group developed it in the first place. It's not no else's idea, it's our idea, our technology, our leadership that's brought this technology about in the first place. So there's no same reason not to follow it. It's not, it, it's not being imposed on us by somebody else, someone else's idea, someone else's thoughts. We've been very, very, very much part of the decision making to bring it forward. Yeah, we have. And like I said, like we've touched on before, I mean, the UK backed this right up until the moment of leaving the European Union and now we seem to be stalling over it. So it does seem incredibly bizarre and obviously hopefully over the course of the next uh, few weeks and months we do see some significant movement on this because the benefit for the road user is there, the benefit for pedestrians is there and the benefit for the UK economy is there to bringing on board these standards in our country. So hopefully, of course, that pressure tells and ministers really do see sense on this. 
And as you mentioned as well, Steve, um, sort of motion data, your business has very much been at the forefront of sort of championing this uh, for so long, championing sort of new safety technologies on the roads. Um, so just before we sort of wrap up the discussion on uh, today's programme, I would like to talk just a little, about, little bit about what you do more specifically and uh, also just more sort of uh, uh, more specifically on that as well. I would like to sort of understand what some of your ambitions are for sort of this new year 2022 now that we're a couple of months into it because obviously pressuring government and lobbying government to sort of get these 15 steps implemented is one thing but I can imagine that's one of a whole raft of plans and ambitions that you've got lined up for this year so um, what is it that you're really hoping to achieve over 2022? Motion data, we, we manufacture um, these objects that this technology um, uses to be developed. So, before I talked about the moving off test by the lorries, they have pedestrians and, and cyclists and uh, motorbikes and e scooters, which is obviously the big thing at the moment, um, put, come out in front of the lorry. Uh, and obviously, we're not going to use real people and real Riders on each which is real pedestrians and cyclists, and especially the children's dummy that we make is 110 centimetres tall, which is the same height as my eight-year-old child. So we're not going to have those real people in front of the vehicle. So we manufacture the um, fake objects. Yeah. So these fake objects have to appear real to the technology. So there's radar technology, there's camera technology, there's lidar technology, there's radio waves, light waves pulsing out from the vehicle, detect the objects in front and identify those objects. And so that's the, the big market that we deal in, in making those objects appear real, appear like a pedestrian, appear like a car, appear like a cyclist to these different technologies to allow the manufacturers to test and develop their products without using real cars and real people. And so once this is all starting to come through, as I said, the, the UNAC regulations, whether we adopt them or not, are coming forward this year. They should start to be fitted on standards. So we've fitted some standards on HGVs, it's moving into cars. And hopefully it will be fitted on more and more cars in the future, more and more vans, more and more HGVs, more and more vehicles that we use every day, buses as well. This should reduce the, the, uh, the crashes on the roads, it's not just the automated braking, it's other technologies, it's the radar and the cameras can utilise as well to see the road signs, slow down the speed to match the road signs, to match the speed of the vehicle, or all the driver's speed is changing. So even once we've adopted this for our vehicles, the biggest area for concern after that, but it's probably the most major, is the user experience, the user knowledge of the technology. Mm. As I said, there's a lot of people here every day about the, the rise of driverless vehicles and how the UK is trying to lead the world in development of testing the front of driverless vehicles. But as we said, there's vehicles out there today that won't run over children. We can, I have a Volvo myself, and we can put our child pedestrian dummy in front of the car, they drive up to it, and they just apply the brakes, they just won't hit the child. And that to me is quite. Powerful because, as I said, I have an eight-year-old son who's got the same height as this is going to be we manufacture for this testing. But it's getting that message across to the people to 
want these other vehicles as well, because this is obviously going to apply pressure to people to you get to sign up to the regulations. But people know this technology is there. When they go to buy their next new car, they want that technology on their new car because they want to feel safe and they want to know that their children are safe, that people back on the streets are safe and everybody else is safe on the roads. And so they, that pressure could also come from the, the consumer itself. But the customer and the consumer needs to know this technology is available and how to use it is available and how to use it to its advantage. So motion data is just another side to it that we hope to develop this year of more driver training. So we're working with the national highways and trying to implement and try to think of a way of making a concise driver training course for people to understand this technology, especially in for business at the moment, with the drive for better business for the national highways. They're trying to get people like Tesco to have all these lorries that have the technology to have the drivers trained to understand it. Because it does have some great advantages. You do want people to turn it off, want people to use it, experience it, and ignore it and want to have it, and then have it on their cars as well, because it's <coughs> a safety technology that's going to help. So we're trying to bring that message to the average user and explain to them how it works and get people to explain, experience the technology. And so that's another big challenge that's trying to get, I have the same challenge with my wife, unfortunately, she doesn't like to use the technology in our car. So we have active cruise control, it will drive itself along the highway and maintain the nice gap between the car and front when we've got up the motorways maintain that safe distance and if, if you happen not to be looking it will start to slow down for you before, before you have. So it's that technology it's going to help keep the roads moving and safer. You've got to get the message to people to use it and to understand it as well. So that's one of the challenges we're trying for this year and so hopefully we've got an event the next few weeks with the driver for better business to try and get that message across to users drivers, primarily starting with business drivers because they drive a lot more miles and have a lot more modern cars and modern trucks. Um, but this technology is available, it is there, it is advantageous, it can help. It can also be more efficient because it can make the journeys quicker if everybody's using it by um, not slowing down so much and not every slam on the brakes with the active cruise control type of scenario where the traffic flows why they have the variable speed limit for most roads, which is an electronic version of a variable speed limit. And so that's our aim for 2022, trying to move into the area of driver training and understanding of this technology, because you need those objects in your manufacturer to sample it. You cannot drive a, a vehicle on a wall just to see if your car works. Mm. You need one of our safe objects to do that. So that's what we hope to do, just trying to as well as get the message of the government, get the message to the people as well it's a safe future. Um, my parents now have a car fitted with it. My father-in-law has a car fitted with this technology, which is can. Hopefully more and more people will, but they don't understand it. So mm. Get the message to understand it and to use it and benefit from it. My father-in-law has his own turned off at the moment, which is he can because he doesn't really understand it. He didn't buy that car. Leased it and it came with that technology. So it's that 
message from the manufacturers and the salespeople to bring him on board to understand the technologies on his car and utilize it to the best that he can. Yeah, because for mm, yeah, exactly right. And uh, because obviously bringing in the 15 standards is one thing, but obviously when we've got these technologies in the vehicles, as you say there, it, we need to obviously first and foremost be aware that they're there and be aware of what they do and how they work because it's that ultimately that's going to sort of translate from the potential to sort of really bring down road accidents and improve road safety to actually doing that. So it's going to be hugely, hugely important over the course of the next few months and years that we make more people aware of this technology. We can train people up to be able to use that technology. And it seems as if motion data is really going to be at the, uh, the forefront of those activities. Um, Steve, and with that, um, I do, of course, wish you the best of luck and sincerely hope that we do see some real movement on this from the ministerial perspective um, over the next few weeks. And I'd also love to thank you for coming on and joining us on the programme today. And by all means, do take care and do stay safe with all still going on as well. well thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure talking to you. <coughs> let's, hope, sorry, let's hope that um, we are successful in the uh, government just trying to put these regulations and Hopefully so. And then it's all about consolidating and really training people up and making them aware that these technologies are there and they are there to, you know, improve road safety and keep people safe and obviously save lives in potentially crisis situations. Um, it was an immense pleasure to address the uh, the listeners, um, to speak with Steve Boyle today from Motion Data. And I do hope that everybody tuning in thoroughly enjoyed the interview just as much as I. And hearing more about how important this technology could be to improve road safety in the UK and indeed the wider world. So do by all means, of course, go out and check it out in your own time because it may well be immensely worth it and it could help save a life. Um, for anybody also listening into today's program that may own their own business or organisation and you feel that you have your own story to come and share with us here at the Leaders' Council, then by all means, we do want to hear from you. So why not also apply to be on our program via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Um, until next time, to all of our regular listeners, you've been listening to the Leaders' Council podcast with Scott Chaloner and Steve Boyle today. And until next time, take care and goodbye.